0: All right, gentlemen, what is up? We're live for episode number 20 of uh, Playing to Win. I actually put BTT there. I have to update that, but it's the Playing to Win series. And I'm joined today by my friend Joel Theron. Is it it Theron or Terran?
1: Terrian, actually. Tarian. Yeah. It's French Canadian. Not too many people can pronounce it properly. Oui, yeah,
0: only... Lord Tout Sweet. <laughs>
1: <suite. laughs> well, I lost my French now that I've been living in the United States for quite some time. So don't worry about
0: that. Yeah, no worries, man. All right. So let me do a little bit of a background here. Let me uh, intro you because I met you on one of Yannick Silver's um, Ma- Maverick Baja off road adventures. And I should, hey, let me pull it up real quick, see if I can share the screen to kind of give you guys a little bit of frame of kind of batshit crazy stuff you end up doing when you connect with some dudes. So this is, this is from the 2010 trip here and you start out this one. We started out in Loreto, Mexico, and these are the cars that you're driving. They actually rent these out to the public in the off season, but they're the actual cars that they uh, race in the Baja 1000s in a, in a challenge series. And they're quite capable, fast cars. Uh, they do of course take some punishment and there's a flat tire, Uh, there's another one, uh, you know, you hit cactuses. There's a lot of, uh, you know, like the deep Mexico Baja scenery that you kind of get into. That was an old church. Um, where's Joe Sugarman? There's a picture here of him. That's Yannick. I don't know if you can see my cursor on the screen right there. So that's, that's the guy that organized it. There's one here with Sugarman. That's, that's Joe and Yannick after they smashed into a cattle guard (laughs) with the car and they basically ripped off the back suspension. Wow. But uh yeah, like you get the idea. So um I ran into Joel on the trip the year after this one. I, I don't know why I don't have any pictures of you know of us together, but um funny story was let me just fix this over here so we go back to that setting. So funny story was um they sent everything to us in the mail before we went, and I got this uh thing and you can't really read it on the screen. I don't know if you can see it. It's hard okay. to read here. Anyway, it, it says uh 20 where the hell is it? Maverick, uh, Richard Cooper, Guns Out, Suns Out, Baja 2011. And I remember when I got this, like I showed up and I had it on the wrist like everybody else says, I know that you got one of these too. And I go to Yannick, I go, what the hell does Guns Out, Suns Out mean? Because I never heard that before, right? He goes, well, you know, you're always walking around with a wife beater or a shirt. You got some big pipes on you. And then in walks this guy and he's like a monster. (laughs) I'm cowering in the corner because the Hulk walks in the room with his <laughs> giant guns and I'm like, okay, I got the wrong van. But, yeah, Joel, you're a you're a solid dude. Um, when I met you on the trip, I think um, you were still married at the time. That was 2011, Correct. yeah? Yeah. You, my, my divorce was only 11
1: months ago. It'll be next month. It'll be a year.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you moved down to Texas from Ottawa. You're originally Correct. Canadian. Yeah. Um, So like the whole theme for those of you guys that are new to the series watching sort of thing, it's, it's about playing to win versus playing not to lose. And for a lot of people that sounds pretty similar, uh, but they're quite different. I mean, you do take additional risks and you've got certain tolerances that some people that play not to lose don't necessarily want to accept. So I kind of wanted to dive in your story and, you know, we pinged each other back and forth over the last five or six months, just kind of shooting the breeze about maybe doing one of these episodes. Um, Where should we begin? Like, let's, Let's kind of start with your childhood because you sent me like a breakdown of, you know, your first job, which you quit eight months later. But as you were growing up, like what did you want to be when you were growing up? Uh, Age 11. I I
1: remember distinctly I was sitting in the basement playing Atari. My father was upstairs and he said, Joel, come here. I don't know why he did this, but I came upstairs and he pulled like $2,000 out of his pocket in 1983. And I was like, holy damn, you know, like what would you do for that? He goes, oh, so my dad owned a Yellow Page company. And he's like, oh, I went out and sold ads in in the telephone book. And I'm like, my best friend's mother has to work like a month for that money. And you made it in a couple hours. Now, of course, there's overhead and stuff. But at that point, I'm like, teach me how to do this. Like, I'm not working for anybody else. But my mom was the other side. She was government and, uh, you know, military style and, you know, get a good job, get a good education. So needless to say, I did, I did go to university, nothing wrong with that, but it was an internal struggle for a long time because I knew what I wanted to do, but I had a better relationship with my mother, so I wanted to appease her. So mm. that, at that point, I didn't know what I was going to be, but I knew that it's like, man, I don't want to trade time for money ever in my life. But that's what I ended up doing just to make my mom happy, which was that hospital job,
0: you know? That, that, that time for money notion. I've talked about that quite a bit on my channel. I don't know if you've heard, heard it because I know you've watched some of the videos. Is that I've, something I've you've watched on my a channel lot of them, yeah. yeah yeah when i, what does when that I mean it, if you can explain that
1: well i was uh you know uh you you were so bang on dude like i, I about three years ago i realized so i was separated for almost seven years um a couple of years ago i started realizing it was really going south and uh you know i watch all these videos well you you know before this before that watch they get really scorned i'm like oh, my, my, my wife at the time won't be like that and yeah once once she realized it was really over uh, everything you've said is 100% bang on and i'm like wow just so that's how i started watching and uh and uh yeah you provided a lot of great advice and stuff and it was a it was a deep 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 black hole at that time and yeah. i'm happy to say that i'm well past it now which is good but you helped me out a lot brother i appreciate that
0: thanks man um talk about the exchanging time for money notion like what does that mean to you like what does that look like for you in your head
1: Oh, uh, well, you know, th- there's a lot of people who, it, a real business, you could be away from that business and still be making money. So, you know, like I was a personal trainer for a long time. Well, not a long time, like, but, you know, growing up all in college, I realized if I wasn't working, I wasn't making money. So I wanted to produce something that I knew I could be away from it and still, you know, passively making an in- income. So that's why I just decided to do stuff on the internet. There's a little bit of a story behind that. I was training Dr. Michael Copeland, the, the founder of Corel at the time. And I would train him at his house in Rockcliffe Park. And I mean, the, the it's massive, massive house, beautiful. And, uh, you know, again, kind of trying to appease my mother. I would share my ideas with him. We became good friends. He's like, that's a fantastic idea. Like, why, why aren't you doing that? And I used to always share my ideas with my mother. But I, I realized over time that no matter what, and a lot of people hopefully will resonate with this because they want their significant others, their better half, their best friends, their mothers, wives, whatever, to be on board with them. And my mom just never was. And so... I remember thinking to myself, because he was running Corel, which is a software development company. Why wasn't
0: she uh, on board? What's that? Why wasn't your mom on board with the plan? Like
1: uh, Because she just it was her programming. It was, you know, just a hundred percent of programming. Her father was in the military, her mother worked in the government, and that was the same yeah. thing to do, no matter what, you know? Yeah. And
0: that's the whole like playing not to lose notion, right? Like playing to win is what an entrepreneur is gonna go and and, and take the risk exactly. in. But playing exactly. not to lose is hey Joel, go secure the uh, government job, the teaching job, you know, fire department, yep. whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well you even- wrong with that.
1: No, no, there's no no exactly. It didn't make her right or me wrong or good or bad. It just yeah. was different. And I remember one day I, I kind of succumbed to this thought and this notion that well you know, his name was, he had a PhD, Copeland had a PhD, so Dr. Copeland, so I assumed it was in software engineering or whatever, and I asked him one day, and I said, you know, where'd you get your, your software engineering degree? He goes, software, he goes, I'm a civil engineer, I don't, I didn't know anything about software, and I, yeah. at that moment, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta change directions here, and so I was, I was working at the hospital at the time, doing his personal training, he'd give me 200 bucks cash on a Saturday, which was like super easy money, and it was always inspirational, and I uh, um, quit my job, didn't tell my mom for two years, started playing on the internet, didn't make a dime for about two years. Uh, but I had a part-time job and a very low mortgage at the time. So I, you know, a lot of people I find, they, they go all in. You don't need to do that. You know, got to make sure. How old that were tr- you? Uh, God, 20, 21. I started doing this full-time when I was 23.
0: Okay. So I mean, like you bought your first house in your very early twenties too then. yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. I bought my first house and uh, yeah. And yeah, it, it's, you know, first couple of years was rough, but it once once I figured it out and stuff, and I was pig headed because I, you know, I wasn't, I was in the attitude I can do it all myself. I can learn it all myself. And when I started associating with good people, that was one of the reasons I went on the Mavic trip. You know, when you start associating with good people around you, it makes a huge difference, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, and luckily, but what's, what was really interesting, I remember one day waking up. Like, oh, it's going to be a big fat donut hole in my bank account again. And I sold at three o'clock in the morning a product for $9.97. I was like, wow, man, holy cow, I can actually do this. You know, and I went, of course, I went to my mother. She's like, yeah, okay, you've been going at this for two years and you made $9.00 and that's like 0.000, 000 cents per hour. I was like, Fuck, she rained on my parade again. Um, but, you know, for me, that was the breakthrough that, okay, well, how did I do this? And how do I replicate it a thousand, ten thousand times? And I think once I started having that positive action, and it really is what you think about, you bring about kind of like the topic is once I started taking more and more action, I started seeing more and more results. And because I was seeing more results, I was taking more action. And I think within three months, I was making about 25 grand a month.
0: Did you have, um, did you have like a frying, frying pan to the forehead moment where you saw things happening and it just hit you like, okay, this is what I need to be doing, or this is what, like, was it that nine dollar? transaction at three o'clock in the morning that you got the email on the that,
1: that... Uh, two, two of them was one part I didn't tell about Copeland so back then he was complaining that he was they're only doing about five thousand dollars a day in, in online sales which mm-hmm. is very low for a company that size at the time I said well why don't you set up an affiliate program he's like well what's that I'm like you know somebody sends traffic to your website you pay them a commission if they buy your software it's that simple mm-hmm. and uh, anyway he called me a day later I was 20 or 21 at the time he's like I want you to come talk to my board of directors about an affiliate program so He was just somebody who took massive action. And uh, I was like, what did you say? Like, you want me, you know, in front of your board of directors. So anyway, long story short, the board of directors said no. But that day, I remember driving home. I'm like, man, this guy who's, you know, he's built Mitel. He's built Corell, He's built other companies. Believes in me. And I don't believe enough in myself that I keep having to reinforce back to my mother. And that was the biggest aha moment where, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I'll make sure it gets done. No matter mm-hmm. what do the work I, I from that point on there was no more fear so it's i know i will make this happen
0: there was um a business that you started up called a- Aylmer kiosk
1: yep yep yeah that's that was,
0: uh, that was kind of the first one that really kicked it off for you
1: yeah so so i so i went to my father's company and i said dad listen your yellow pages aren't going to be around much longer Uh, I want to sell everybody a website. And back then, like nobody knew the value of a website. Nobody had a website. And so their perception was, and this is a good tip that I can leave to everybody, but their perception was, listen, Joel, if somebody in Japan clicks on my website, it's not going to do me any good. You know, like I'm a local restaurant. And so just, you know, just because it's not working doesn't mean it's not going to work. And so I listened to the people and I created the very first search engine. And what I did is I put Elmer kiosk in the top of the yellow pages on every page of his book. So I created a local search engine, which drag, drove local traffic to the local businesses. And next thing you know, we had about 400 to 450 clients paying us 20 bucks a month.
0: What was your dad's reaction when you said to him, you know, the yellow pages are not going to be around forever. Cause that was like, there's a lot of younger guys right now, I bet, that are watching this going yellow pages. What's that? And that, <laughs> like, that was a giant phone book that they plop on your front porch, almost on an annual basis, which kind of organized everybody's name, every single business. And I remember there was a time where I was kind of involved in conversations like that in my late 20s. No, was it early 20s or late teens? I don't know. Earlier on in my uh, youth, maybe 2021 20, or so. And they were starting to have those same conversations like the yellow pages are going to disappear and it's going to be replaced by the internet. And there was like this this older generation that was like, ah, you guys don't know what you're talking about. That's just a fad, right? That's but okay. Well, today, it's like, nobody even knows food. what the yellow pages anymore
1: yeah well even so he's like you know i was running faster than he was i was young and i was energetic i i knew what i knew a path that we wanted to take and uh he he just like go for it And even still today he'll call me like my dad's 80 now and and he still sold the yellow page business imagine this richard he sold it three years ago for about forty five thousand bucks and i'm like wow they obviously they paid for the database and stuff like that but so he sold it and he he calls me the other day goes do you think we could put a business card on the internet? I'm like, yeah, dad, it's called a website, but you know, enjoy your retirement. So, <laughs> um, you know, he's very old school, uh, but he taught me a lot about, um, you know, the value of, of making sure you provide a good service. And he really taught me that if you can't look somebody in the eye and shake their hand, you shouldn't be in business. So he uh, he taught me a lot of, you know, one other valuable lesson. Uh, so the, the way the yellow pages would work, you would create the ad, the person who owned the business would sign off on the ad saying it's perfect or whatever, you know, that way if there was a wrong phone number or whatever um, it was on the client's end. So there's this one guy named uh, electrician. I was young at the time. And he would, my dad did three different telephone books. So the guy called the phone number was wrong, but he had signed off on it that the phone number was right. And I could hear the guy reaming my dad out over the phone. And uh, my dad said, Hey, you want to take a drive? And it was about an hour and a half away to Shawville. I'm like, sure. Anyway, long story short, he goes, you know, when you sell somebody, don't think about now, think about having them as a long term client for life. And uh, he went up and he said, listen, obviously there's nothing we can do for this ad this year, but I feel bad. You know, it was an honest mistake on both our parts. So he ended up putting two free ads in the other books that were in the circulating area. And it was just profound to me because my dad wasn't in the wrong at all, but he understood the value of a client. And uh, that person was a client for another 10 or 15 years. So it's things like that just really hit home, even though he's old school, you know?
0: How did you get into this hosting stuff? Because there's not a lot of people that even thought about this around around the time you got into it. It was like 1997, it says here in the description that you registered Almer kiosk. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in hindsight, you would have probably named it something else and been on a more global scale rather than so yeah, I was.
1: Yeah, I was at first. At, and again, just by listening to the objections of people like, hey, I don't need somebody in Japan or whatever, or my radius is 10 miles, I thought, okay, well, how can I clear those objections? And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the other thing that I did uh, is everybody buys based on a comparison, right? So they knew that their ad, the telephone book was like $800 or something for the year. Um, so I said, listen if you buy our hosting for 20 to 25 dollars a month i'll give you a second ad in the telephone book for free and i'm going to advertise this local search engine all over the place in the telephone book and stuff so they're like well that's a no-brainer i'm already paying 800 dollars for an ad you'll give me a second smaller ad and 20 bucks you know even back then 20 to 25 bucks a month if you can afford that as a business owner forget about it mm-hmm. and so that's how we kind of squash the objections and put a lot of people online really quickly. And what's really interesting, aside from those who have probably sold or gone out of business, I would say a good, you know, we're talking back in 97 to, you know, early two thousands, probably 25, 20% of those people still host with us today, which is really cool.
0: Um, Talk about the, the growth to the first million dollars in sales. What was that like? (laughs)
1: Uh, it was pretty interesting because I don't know. It, it, uh, I remember saying, "So my dad's business was doing about four hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, his overhead was low because he only had about one one staff." And I said, "Dad, we'll take this to a million bucks." So it was it was an extra six hundred thousand, and I actually did it that year. In um, one year, yeah, in one. But Richard, I was going door to door to door to door. I was willing to do whatever people wouldn't do. So I would go see 40 people a day, get two or three yeses. And then as I honed in on what the objections were, you know, I started getting a 50% yes and stuff like that. And so it did really well. And that's when I started looking more and talking to a couple about affiliate marketing. I was like, man, this door to door stuff is still hard work. You know, It's still no real leverage because if I'm not outselling, I'm not making money. And that's where I started looking at affiliate marketing more. And uh, we, uh, we built our first affiliate platform back in 2001 and and launched our first affiliate program, which was just selling the web hosting and people would refer us clients and uh, it it, it did really well. And uh, it's it's interesting because online, I was having a a hell of a time trying to make any money. And uh, all of a sudden I had rheumatic fever. I don't know how I got it, but I had a fever 104 and the phone rang. And at that time I was still operating out of my basement. I actually had servers in my basement and I was so embarrassed. I wish I, I never took any pictures back then. And this one guy called me, he's like, I like what you have to offer. Ask me about four or five questions, maybe a few more. And then he's like, uh, I like what I hear. Get ready to get about 300 clients overnight. And I'm like, I, I hung up the phone. I went to my wife at the time. I said, I just talked to some loony bin who says he's going to bring us 300 clients. And while well, he lied, the next day we had 412 clients from this one, from this one affiliate. And I was like, wow. We're definitely heading in the right direction with this. So he ended up to be a, a big influencer in blogging at the time, and blogging mm-hmm. was taking off at that time. And he just, you know, sent out an email to his newsletter. And so I, I the next day, I'm calling and I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, you know, pissed excited. I'm like, holy cow! Like, you know, but I can't sound too excited because I don't want this guy to know that. Like, he was everything to me at the time. And I said, what'd you do? He goes, oh, I just sent an email to my newsletter. And I said, what? He goes, yeah. I said, you know, I have eighty thousand people on my newsletter. I sent out an email.
0: What year was this in?
1: Probably 2000, 2001.
0: You know what's funny about newsletters and email lists is they still work remarkably well. I, I was, I was on a, a call on Monday night after the before the train wreck show with a bunch of guys in my um, entrepreneurs brotherhood and we were looking at the open rates on active campaign for two that I run. And one was uh, 78% on average for my debt wow. business and wow. 60% on the uh, red flag list. That's phenomenal Um,
1: numbers. Open rates you're talking about.
0: Yeah, open rates. Yeah, yeah. Like open rates, I think typically are considered good after about twenty percent, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Ten to twenty percent is good. You know, in these days, especially well, you know, in any type of marketing space. But yeah, it's it still works very, very well. And that's when, at that moment, I'm like, okay, send an email, make that kind of money. And that's when we started developing our first autoresponder software way back then. Um, And I still focus right now. I still focus my whole business on generating a lead, which means a name, email, and hopefully a phone number, so that we can do SMS, and uh, that's it. And then we just do a lot of email marketing, and, and uh, yeah, and
0: it's a yeah, so it's, it's a great business. <laughs> build a list, um, definitely collect email addresses and or or and phone numbers so you can SMS text market to them. But yeah, build a list because if you have a, a audience that, that's that's listening to you and wants to hear what you're talking about um, when you offer something, to, you know, for sale, they will often buy. Yeah.
1: Well, Well. you know, look, as an example, you've done a phenomenal job with YouTube and, and some of your other social media platforms, but you have to, you want to take that social media and still generate a database for yourself because you mm-hmm. know, people's YouTube sh- channels gone overnight. Well, yeah. if you don't have that database, you're in big trouble. I know one of your fan pages got shut down, right? Well, yeah, you've the got Facebook the database. Page. Yeah. You've got the database to, 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 you know, uh, that's yours. You're not, you know, social media, you're renting when you, when you build a database of clients and emails, phone numbers, stuff like that, that's yours to keep. So it it really solidifies income because Mm -hmm. there's a few people I know that literally lost, there was the Google slap back in like 2010 too. You know, a lot of people Mm -hmm. were doing stuff and making phenomenal money with Google AdWords and they can change the algorithm overnight. So building a database is the key to stability for
0: huge. I wanted to ask you because we talked moments earlier about, um, you know, that path to the first million in sales receipts. And, you know, I know that, like, you're, uh, you're basically what most guys out there watching my channel would consider a chat if they met you in person, like you're, you're big, strong, muscular, you're successful, you drive nice cars, you got bank, would like, would you say that it's easier to grow a business to a million dollars than it is to find that one perfect woman?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely and i remember the day not so much a million dollars gross the first time i had a million dollars in my bank account and i want to share this too because again a lot of people they naturally just want that validation from the people they love the most so i took a screenshot of my bank account and i sent it to my mother and her reply back was don't forget you have to pay taxes on that <laughs> I'm like Joel, you're so stupid. Like when do you, you think you're going to get a positive answer and, and stuff like that. So, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely, um, it's mindset. It, it, again, what you think about, you bring about it. And I had, you know, not really fast forwarding for now, but when, when I started the whole divorce process, like I, we lost millions and millions and millions of dollars in revenue because I was thinking about the wrong things, you know? Mm. So once we, once I knew what I wanted to do, and once I knew the path that I wanted to take, it was relatively easy. It doesn't mean it's a lot of hard work, but I was willing to put yeah. the work, you know?
0: Do, like, you've talked about your mom a lot so far, and it almost seems like you seek approval or validation from her more than your dad. Is that well, something that you've always done?
1: Uh, so yeah, it, well, it, it, in a way. So, so, because my father was the provider, my mom was a homemaker, basically. Yeah um he was out selling all the time and uh and so i didn't see him that much my mom was the one that was a communicator and stuff in the family but i think it was more so i could never get validation from my mom so if i shared an id with my dad he'd be like just do it do you know mm. I, I have trust in you do it and with my mom was always like, well dear you don't know anything about computers i don't think that's a good idea or whatever so but she was she was definitely my protector like I, that's the reason i started working out i was the skinny little ethiopian kid on the block and so she would uh, she was actually on the she was one of the supervisors on the school playground in elementary school because people would pick on me and my problem was i would never start a fight but i would never ever back away from one like i just i wasn't gonna let anybody show any weakness even though i was scared to death at the time so my mom ended up being on the school board so yeah and i miss her she passed away five years ago uh but we had a we had a strong relationship for sure
0: Mm. um what lesson did you have to learn the hard way and how could you help others avoid that same mistake
1: in business or in personal or both let's do both okay uh in business it's such cliche hire slow, fire, fast, trust your gut way more than you think. Uh, if you don't know what people are doing, chances are they're not doing a whole lot. So what do you mean by
0: hire slow, fire, fast? Cause I actually have a chapter in my upcoming book that's titled that. Well, because you know, people do the perfect interview.
1: They always do, oh, we'll, we'll yeah. do this, I'll do that, I'll do whatever. And, uh, and then of course you bring somebody on board and without naming names, you know, I thought, okay, we'll get higher quality people if we go through an agency. Uh, one guy I hired cost me $45,000 because he was going to be our CTO, so his salary was quite high. And uh, the second day on the job, he went missing for four hours, and I'm like, wow! And and yet I kept him for a year and a half. I have no idea why he went off drinking.
0: (laughs) 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 Crazy, okay. So,
1: yeah, thanks. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Um, So that was your business angle. What about on the personal angle? Like what lesson did you have to learn the hard way and how can you help others avoid making that same mistake? I mean, if you want to deal with relationships or self-care, I mean, you know, you end up deciding.
1: um, Well, let's start with the the earlier days of self-care. So, you know, I was definitely picked on and I was 11 years old and I saw this guy in Atlantic City, New Jersey, muscular, getting all types of attention. And I didn't care why he was getting attention. I just like I want I want some of that. And I started to work out. But the point being is I started getting bigger and bigger, but it didn't fix here. I was still very insecure in my head at the time. Mm-hmm. Long story short, what fixed here was I became a stripper to put me through college. And that was so out of my comfort zone that I remember saying to myself, like, man, I'm sitting here naked in front of 300 women and I can't talk to a girl on the street corner or whatever. And I was like, that was another aha moment. like. Joel, if you can do this, you can do
0: anything. So well, maybe much call you a Joel Magic Might. T- 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 well,
1: my, my stage name was Jonathan at the time. I wanted it to sound real, but anyway, um, <laughs> so that was something that I don't regret because it just it brought me so out of my comfort zone that it really helped me to become a better. You know, I, I'm classified introvert extrovert. Like when I first meet you, I'm a little shy, I'm a little standoffish, yeah. but then I, I warm up quickly. You know.
0: Mm. And then um, what about with women? Like what like what lesson did you have to learn the hard way that you can help others avoid? <laughs> prenup <laughs> yeah, tr- truly I mean we, we we had a were you already successful when you met your wife and got married or no
1: no the success came after that I mean I was driven I was yeah. very very driven but did you
0: uh, get married in Canada or in Texas yes yeah.
1: no no in Canada so we were okay. together over 20 years
0: okay so you met her here then you brought yeah. her down to Texas okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah
1: yeah yeah and, and and you know I mean it, nothing bad to say I, I realize now that A lot of the scorn angst you know just the aggression that she had she was scared to death you know she was scared to death and 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 stuff but uh yeah, th- th- there was red flags early, but again, for the kids and whatever, you know, you try to uh, you try to mm. stick around and, and uh, I, I shouldn't have, but I did. But uh, no regrets because she, she's a very good mother. It's just irreconcilable differences, I guess, at this point. Mm. Uh, but yeah, f- if I do it again, uh, there will definitely be some sort of prearrangement for sure, because I had to give up every single asset that I had to keep my business, which is which is yeah. fine. You know,
0: you got you got two sons and a daughter, right? Two daughters and a son, actually. Two daughters and a son. So a uh, question for you. Would you tell your would you tell your sons and daughter anything different about marriage? Like would you tell your son something different from you tell your daughter? Because for me, like I would I would definitely encourage a daughter to get married. A son, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't have a son, but that would just be mm-hmm. my angle.
1: Um I, I for me personally, I don't I don't think so. I think there's a double standard, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very protective of my daughters. I love that I have a lot of muscle because it scares the shit out of all the boys that come around the house, which is good. Yeah. Um, whereas my son, he's got a great they all they're all in good relationships right now. So to yeah. say, I, except for, you know, maybe maybe have a prenup with my son or whatever, because you're you're bang on to the law. is So favor the women you know like mm-hmm. just completely favor them and it is what it is so uh but i, I it's might it's not even that, you know.
0: that it just favors women but it's also that it encourages them to use the legislation in a way that it's actually harmful to kids it's definitely mm-hmm. harmful to the father and women won't see the harm in it to themselves because of their solipsism but not only is the legislation favorable to them but it also encourages them to use it in a way that's uh, it's quite damaging
1: it, it is and I, that was one mistake that I made maybe guys who are just beginning the process when we got separated and I left my thought processes in my head was I want stability for my kids so they can stay at home with mom and what happened was is they habitually got used to not seeing me as often because I wasn't living there anymore mm. and so you know what over time that's just became the norm for them and so there was many many lonely like I my, my my family was my wife for starting a business of course I love having good money and freedom but it was freedom for my family to be able to travel and we did a lot of that as a family group but um, yeah that, that was a big mistake that I made I should have brought my son along with me or something like that we, we only live 10 minutes apart but mm-hmm. when you're used to tucking in your kids every night or listening to their their banter upstairs or their video games or whatever it was there that was the hardest part like just sitting with four walls around me and I remember at first I had just rented an apartment thinking you know maybe we'll work this thing out or whatever and then after six months of renting an apartment I bought another house because I thought okay if I buy a bigger house and I can have some friends over but none of that ever transpired and was so very 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 difficult time for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the other thing is is stand up for your rights really early in the process you know what
0: what um what advice would you give give yourself if you could go back in a time machine and have a conversation with yourself before you got divorced did uh, did um you end up leaving or did she leave you by the way no no
1: i i, I left i left, you left? okay yeah yeah. Yeah. And we we flip flop for years, like because it was th- there's a lot of good qualities in her. Uh, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that obviously we just didn't see eye to eye on. And uh, and uh, I think I think being more decisive because I did flip flop too much, uh, being more decisive, looking out. I, I don't know how many hundreds of videos I rewatched or watched of yours saying they're going to get scorn and they're going to get mean and they're going to come after everything that you have and i'm like oh she won't do that like i mean mm-hmm. she knows that i i built the business and stuff like that but once once the fear is there yeah just there was there was no playing fair at all you mm-hmm. know it was just come after everything and 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 uh, there was no ability i always tried to communicate there was no ability to communicate because it was just screaming and yelling constantly you know
0: that's the and, that's the big lie that every that every guy usually tries to default to is we'll just we'll just communicate better because that's what you hear your entire life is just mm-hmm. learn how to communicate. But even but even women don't understand why that narrative is out there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just a big uh, huge uh disservice. Um what would you consider a defining moment in your life?
1: Uh definitely that one with Copeland where you know he had all of his staff and board of directors say like like it was just like man this guy believes in my ideas why don't i believe in myself a little bit more like why mm-hmm. and and uh, it, it was sad because here's this close to a billionaire if not a billionaire believing in stuff that i was doing and 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 so that was defining moment um that was the biggest defining one uh, the hardest one was obviously the decision to leave the the, the matrimarial home and, and leave mm-hmm. my family uh but It's definitely for the better. So that those are some defining moments. Um, Watching Karate Kid was one because I was picked on so much. I remember leaving there and going, "That's it." So I ended up becoming a black belt in Taekwondo, and then that's when I started bodybuilding as well. And all the bullying went away. But it still, again, it didn't fix up here. You know, I still had a lot of problems, and not not big problems, but insecurity issues and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: You know, did you ever read uh, uh, *Psycho Cybernetics* by Maxwell Maltz?
1: No, I didn't read
0: that, no. Uh, He was, um, I'm trying to remember the uh, details of it specifically, but I believe he was, uh, the book was written around the time that, uh, like, reconstructive surgeries first started coming about like rhinoplasty for guys that had like car accidents or Mm -hmm. stuff like not, not for cosmetic purposes like you see today, but more for like, you know, reconstruction after an accident or a fire or burn victim or, or something like that. And one of the things that he noticed, um, was, um, you can go and, go through the entire procedure, have your face uh, redone and you got a perfect nose, but you still have a very low opinion of yourself. Cause in your mind's eye, you still see yourself as, you know, the skinny kid that got picked on, mm-hmm. you know, for example. Mm-hmm. So there's like a part of the mind that needs to catch up. Even, even when you change your body, like I had the same sort of problem that you did. Like I was a real, real skinny kid. I think I'm, uh, I think by the time I was 15 or 16, I was about six foot one, but I weighed maybe like 135, 140 pounds. Like I was a skinny, like real thin dude. Yeah. And then it was around that same time that I think my dad gave me uh, Charles Atlas's, uh, what the hell was it called? Dynamic Tensions mailer. Like one of the earliest mailers that came out in the 50s. So he gave it to me. He got it in Singapore when he was in the Royal Air Force. And I'm reading this thing. And I'm like, okay, do lots of push-ups, do like, you know, stuff like this and Mm bicep stuff like this. And, you know, I started to put on size and I got up to 180 pounds within a couple of years. Nice. but my mind still saw me as a skinny runt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's i, I know exactly what you mean exactly yeah. what you mean. It's, like uh, there's a lot of guys that'll go to the gym and they end up with um what was i think coined at one term in in bodybuilding magazines and muscle media uh big, yeah it, um they actually called it big orexia yeah. and even though you're huge you still don't think you're big enough Yep, i I had that same you know thinking going on in my head too when i was in my 20s like i was a i was a good 204 pounds like rock solid like ripped as fuck. (laughs) but i still never thought i was big enough
1: well you know i I suffered from that so i just when i decided i wanted to do something for myself i wanted to do something that i enjoyed and something that i could make money at so i went for the professional bodybuilding route i got all the way to the national levels i remember going up a flight of stairs like 15 stairs i was 272 pounds And by the time I got to the top, I was sucking wind bad, (laughs) like really bad, really bad. And I was like 20, probably. And at at that same time, though, so I started getting some endorsements because I looked pretty good, like pretty. To me, I was still skinny, right? Like that's the the, the head game. But I remember my cousin was playing for the Philadelphia Flyers with Rod Brendamore and and Lindros and all those guys. He was a defenseman making three point six million a year at the time. And he was only four months older than me. And here I am, still starving, you know. And I'm like, okay, directions need to change. And I looked at the ROI of the amount of drugs that those guys have to do and stuff, and and that was another, you know, defining moment where like I, I got to change directions again, you know. So because you can love a lot of things in life, but if they're if it's not going to put food on the table, like it's it's gonna you're gonna have a stressful life. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't want to take up knitting or something like that if I loved it because you're not going to make any money doing it.
0: You know. What's um. What's one thing that you'd not do again? That's probably one. When I went to the national
1: levels, I started to do a lot of, not a lot, because they, they all think it's a lot. But, you know, I started doing some, some anabolics because you had to. Um, I wouldn't have done that for sure because there's just no money in it. Like if I'm not going to put at least seven figures in my pocket, I'm not going to put my body through that type of risk. That's one thing I would do. Um, another defining moment was my very first love. Um, We dated for a year and a half and uh, she dumped me and I chased her and chased her and chased her like for nine months. I chased her and I just realized that she just wanted to keep me as the backup plan. And I remember from that day forward, I'm like, if I ever fall in love again, that's it. Like as hard as it's going to be, I'm going to cut ties and just walk away. That's the best bargaining position you can have is just no, you know, you hear all about it. No contact, walk away. Mm -hmm. And uh, and definitely did a lot of that during this process so that's yeah not, one of the things I don't man, chase, you know
0: yeah that's one of the things that they teach um guys a lot now in a lot of the red pill books is um you know if you have any inkling that your relationship's about to break up you need to dump her because yeah. They, yeah. it basically puts you in a better position um but yeah that's that's like one thing that that the guys flop so badly on is they'll go and chase a girl that ends up breaking you know his heart and nothing dries up a woman quicker and faster like turns her into the fucking sahara desert than you chasing her (laughs) she hates that yeah well i
1: mean there's nothing else (laughs) i I mean you're such a poor beta male coming crawling on your knees and stuff and and, i mean i remember my first girlfriend her she was beautiful and 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 you know i was like enamored and, and all that kind of stuff. And she was quite cruel with it because she, I, you know, looking back, she enjoyed the process of being able to keep me right on her pinky, but had, she absolutely, without a doubt, wanted nothing to do with me. You know, it was yeah. just power play, I guess. I don't know. But I learned, I learned, that I'm like, I'm not chasing, you, it's, you know, if, if it's on an even playing field, of course, you'll do whatever you do to keep your relationship strong. But when, 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 when the energy changes, you, you, you don't start chasing that. Like you said, women hate that, you know? Yeah.
0: What's um? What's your top business achievement? Like the thing that you'll never forget?
1: Um. So I, I put in my bio. We want to hit a hundred million in uh, 2014. We we hit seventy-eight million dollars in revenue that year, uh, which was a great achievement. But it was also something that uh, you know was not what I thought it was going to be because we had about two hundred and fifty employees at the time. And and I and I don't know if it's the same for you, but I can remember coming to the office here and having anxiety in my chest because I knew as soon as I walked through the door, Hey, Joel, Hey, Joel, Hey, Joel. Hey, you know, like it was just like overwhelming. And I I found myself not being able to do anything that I want to do. So it was a big achievement to, to, to get there. And if we, if, if I do it again, I'll just do a little smarter. So that was, uh, um, you know, some of the smallest achievements uh, are the biggest, like we, I started doing some fitness stuff online because I'm very good. Pretty good with the internet marketing side of things now, and when I you know I almost get emotional thinking about. It, but there was a, a lady who was misdiagnosed with uh, uh, either some some autoimmune disorder, either multiple sclerosis or something, and it turned out to be something toxic in her diet and stuff. And she, she just came up to me, gave me the biggest hug of the world, bawling her eyes out. You know, so even though it wasn't a huge achievement from achievement, but on a human hu- humanitarian level, it really meant a lot and stuff like that. You know.
0: You said something, um, when we were talking offline before we went live, um, I can't remember what the hell it was though, but we needed a hit on it when we were, uh, getting into this business stuff and all really tied into the, um, obstacles that kind of get in the way while you're playing to win. Um, what the hell was it that we were going to cover, bro? <laughs> Don't Man, forget, was... I'm
1: older than you, Richard, so I get more senior moments than you do. You know? Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, huge, right? <laughs> I'm sure it'll come back to me. um Have you ever had a near-death experience? Yes, I nearly drowned in Acapulco. How did that affect your life? <sighs> Don't go swimming again. <laughs> <laughs> was that um, because you're a bad swimmer, or, or was that uh, like yeah? So you or? know, like, when,
1: well, you know, so let's say back then I was probably still two fifty-five, two sixty. Mm -hmm. Uh, not doing an appreciable amount of cardio and when you have that much muscle mass you know muscle tends to sink in water so i got caught in a small riptide and i'm like oh god damn it like and i did everything what you're not supposed to do which is go against the tide and try to get back in and i just i was screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming for help and of course nobody was hearing me and I think I was on my last stroke. I'm going to go under. Like my arms were everything, everything was burning. The lactic acid through my whole body was horrible. I'm like, one more stroke, man, and I'm gone. Like a, there's just no way.
0: And uh, I remember what it what it was. You now we we're talking about employees and the size of the business and like a healthy, appreciable kind of business that really serves you. Uh, because what you described there, where you know you did 78 million, you go to work and you have anxiety because you got have 250 people ready to jump on you when you get in the door. Um, I know what that's like when my debt business was at its biggest, but. I mean, today it's a lot smaller, and mm-hmm. I don't need to go to it every day. My brother runs it, and all I really do is automate a lot of the marketing and some of the other top-level stuff. And I like it a lot more now, even though it makes a lot less money. Yeah, um, yeah. We were talking about that with your business offline. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit, and you know, like the sweet spot for you with your business and what you learn, kind of getting it to that sweet spot?
1: Yeah. Well, definitely. Um, you know, you 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 have you have illusions of. Grandeur that okay if I hit these numbers you know my life is going to be perfect. Uh, I remember the first illusion of grandeur was I thought to myself okay if I get a thousand people paying me twenty bucks a month I can live on the beach all day. And actually that was one of the hardest times of business because that was at the time where I was making good money but I needed to start hiring people. By you know at twenty if there's twenty thousand gross you hire somebody there's five thousand to six thousand gone right away you know what I mean on on a, on a decent programmer or whatever. Um, so that. Um, You know, that was one defining aspect. And then, yeah, when so when we got to those numbers, it just wasn't fun anymore. And I I think that was part of the looking at my whole life, like, okay, where am I personally? Where am I professionally? um, And is this what I want? You know, like if the definition of insanity, keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And uh, I decided that, no, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm I'm not happy. Money, the the money's good, but the stress is so unbelievable. So, we're we're doing, maybe half that right now. You know, mm-hmm. which is, which is, but you know, the past couple of years, I've spent probably six months out of the country, almost actually. I'm a, I'm a I'm a Canadian U.S. citizen now, but during that travel, I was only a green card, so you're not allowed to leave the country more than six months, so you're not considered a permanent resident in the United States anymore. So, but you know, people say. Oh, I just remember the anxiety of knowing when salaries were due and stuff like that it's like so much money was going out that if i wasn't in the office keeping an eye on everybody and making sure the efficiency was there it was like but i'm spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a week just on you know salaries
0: payroll yeah
1: and and so i felt trapped even though i had a business that leveraged itself i felt trapped that i had to be here all the time now that that were a lot less the anxiety is not there on the payroll side because it's more justifiable. And and here's the really interesting thing. So we probably have about sixty five sixty five to seventy staff total. Now, and they picked up for 80% of what the 250 people were doing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, just the right people uh, with you and, and stuff. And, and it creates a lot of distension because the good people will pick up for the slackers, but it creates a lot of distension because like, oh, fuck, I got to do his job and that person's job and whatever. And when you get rid of those people and you're able to pay your good people more, then it's a it's a much more efficient business, and the people I have now I can't say enough good things about. But it took a long time to get there, and a lot of defining moments to get there. And and yeah, it's allowed me. I was God. I was where Where have I not been? I was in Rome not long ago before this whole COVID thing. Obviously, let me get that on the table. Um, but I I spent four months in Tulum. I spent four months in Cancun. I spent a month in Egypt. I spent uh, a month in Spain. I was all over the place. I, just traveling and a lot of that was Did you
0: travel by yourself or do you have friends or you have a chicken bring <laughs> or yeah pretty much all of that yeah all of that yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah I couldn't travel alone alone it would be kind of boring you know what I mean so yeah um but it was definitely looking back a little bit was to, to hide the pain that I was going through on the personal level and stuff like that because
0: did that help like did the traveling actually help you deal with that pain and kind of get it was a distraction. It was definitely a distraction. It,
1: it, it beats, you know, being brutally honest in, in the, the lowest of lows. I, I was like anything would trigger me and tears would come to my eyes. You know what I mean? Mm. So I'd be sitting in, at home and, and I found it very difficult. Four walls, no kids, and you only had your thoughts. And so the traveling definitely, definitely was a distraction. What It, it must have helped in some way. But was I happy traveling? No, it was still in the back of my mind all the time, you know, because it, it was this. I remember the, when we saw uh, July something, I can't even remember now, but the day we signed a decree, I wasn't happy or sad. I was just relieved because mm-hmm. every day her attorney would be she wants this now. She wants that now. She wants something. Uh, one thing that was so and I won't get into too much of it, but. I uh, was uh, before Father's Day last year and she's like, hey, I noticed that you have a lot of air miles based on the business. Why don't you take the kids on a holiday for Father's Day And because I know you miss them. And I was like, OK, that's does she turning in a corner. The next day I get an email from her attorney saying that she wants half the business plan. <laughs> I kid like, you not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: it got a little, a little a little little ridiculous at times you know
0: yeah here look there's a comment here from a guy by the name of Ace Golden Gloves and he says every man needs to hit rock bottom discover himself and reach his potential again sort of thing and that's like that's like pretty common for a lot of guys i mean there like um i don't know if you know philip uh, mckernan he's I a do. irish dude you know one of the things that he says is um you know the absence of clarity do something
1: yeah yeah
0: so yeah. You know, you may not have clarity around what's happening post-divorce, something that's happening in your business, but the worst you can do is just kind of like sit there, crawl on a ball, you know, ter- or just crawl yourself in a ball and like cry yourself to sleep. I mean, that might be one thing you can do for five minutes, but at some point you got to get back up and stop being a little bitch and kind of figure it out. Yeah, well,
1: that's it. I, and that, 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 that was the part that was very bizarre for me because I'm usually very creative. You know, I'm more on the marketing side of my whole business and writing good creative emails was always something that I was strong at and stuff. I remember sitting in front of my computers, four hours had gone by and I've written like two lines because it was the negative aspect, you know, hitting the back of my head all day long. And that's when I said, I got to get out of here. And I started traveling and, uh, not too many people know this, but when I was in uh, when I was in Tulum, I did like this ayahuasca ceremony, and that oh, was, was that? that was really enlightening. It was very, 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 very enlightening for sure. It's uh, it's hard to describe. It, set and Setting setting uh, is very very important, but it was still del- definitely very he- healing for sure,
0: for sure. Where did you stay in Tulum? It's like one of my favorite places.
1: Uh, we stayed in a condo. I just rented an Airbnb condo for a couple months and stuff, and uh, it was
0: like on like the old. Old town beach strip like close to something uh, no, like no uh, no it was Indiana a little cheaper
1: yeah I, I know what you're talking about uh, we didn't stay beachside we we're a little, little further in where it was about a five-minute cab ride yeah that way the condo was only like 1100 bucks a month or something like that yeah, you know, yeah if you wanted to stay on the beach it was probably a thousand bucks a week or more yeah and uh but yeah tulum was nice and then uh for me because i like to do a lot of things um you know, as long as there was a gym, there was a gym that was fine. But this year I stayed in Cancun for a while. And uh, even though it's kind of teenage style, there was a little bit more to do, um, mm. in, a little bit more to see. So I enjoyed, and the beach in Cancun was beautiful too, but Tulum, Tulum was, was great as well. Uh, yeah. the pyramids of Egypt. That was enlightening. That was really cool. But, uh, what
0: you did know, you like about that? Cause that's cause that's kind of on the list for me to go. To go um, out. you know,
1: you, you, you learn about it in school, you hear all about it, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh
0: What's weird, and I don't want
1: to get into it because it's a whole other thing, but when I was doing the ceremony, I ended up going back to these Egyptian times. You know, I was just very enlightening. But it's 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 phenomenal, like, to be in front of these structures. And, you know, you've got these these stones that are a couple of tons each. And from one side to the other, they're off by half a millimeter. You know yeah, what I mean? And, and in the structural, like, it's just incredible, incredible, incredible. So that was uh, – uh, Cairo is dirty, though. I mean, I've been, I've been to India and India can be very dirty. Like I've been to Mumbai, Cairo itself was very dirty, but we ended up staying at an all-inclusive resort, uh, in, uh, I forget the name, but we, we took a plane and we took a flight into Cairo, spent the day in Cairo with, uh, with a guide going through all the pyramids and stuff. And that mm. was, that was fun. It was definitely worth it for sure.
0: One of the things a lot of guys wonder about is how do you run your business while you're, you know, uh, sort of gallivanting yourself around the world, you know, dealing with your shit? Like, is that um, something that kind of rely on a number one for like, do you have an inside guy while you're the outside guy? A
1: combination of, of that. And then what I also learned is, you know, uh, if it can be automated and it's not to cut people out of jobs, automate it. So, mm. um, after 2014 and realizing that we were just pissing all kinds of money away needlessly, even though we were making money, um, I've got checks and balances throughout our whole system, so that I can tell what people are doing. Yes, I have a couple of right-hand people, so I have an office here in Texas, an office in Ukraine, and an office in India. But I, I can see with a, within a moment's notice what's what's happening, what's going on, and stuff. So it's all documented, and and uh, that allows me to. But trust is a big factor. If you got, I, there's a key people that I trust in each office that uh have stood the test of time you know and uh, the whole good to great type of model you know get the right people on the bus and it allowed me to uh to, to 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 do what i wanted to do and you know i was very transparent with those people too i was like listen man i haven't lost all my mojo or drive but something's wrong like i i need to go i need to go fix myself like i because my productivity in the business and I'm generally a happy-go-lucky guy, and I was really cranky and pissy a lot of the time, you know, mm-hmm. coming into the office. I'm, I don't, I don't want to portray that onto my team. I'm supposed to be the top guy, you know, who's happy and, and and so forth. So they were very because I was very vulnerable and transparent with them. I'm like, listen, it, I, I love the business. The business is going to stay afloat. We're going to be okay. But I, I got to go do something for a little while. If that's mm-hmm. okay, they're like, go for it. You know.
0: Um, favorite book and how it changed your life. <sighs> well, after. Looking at some of your stuff, The Rational Male was a
1: pretty interesting book. You know, uh, definitely changed a lot of things. Good to Great was another good one uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh,
0: there's I'm some... always curious when somebody that's an entrepreneur reads Rolo's book, like, what did you think of it? How did it change your perspective on things?
1: <sighs> the, the, the initial gut feeling was like, but he says it himself, he's a little bit sour. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, you know, a little bit biased. Um, and that's where I'm at. It's like, do I regret getting married? No. Do I regret taking so long to make a final decision? Yes. Like it dragged on for seven years. That's way, way too long. Uh, but do I think like hypergamy and that does it exist? 100%. Um, but are all, all women exactly the same? I don't think so. I think there's varying degrees of women that are better than others and stuff like that. So that part, yeah. Like, you know, he really... Puts the kibosh. and, and I mean I, I understand it. it comes from his perspective and stuff like that and and I don't know like m- maybe I'm considered a high high value male like I, I it's not to sound shitty but I don't know I don't understand how a man can live off forty or fifty thousand dollars a year you know like it's 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 Oof. it would be scary I mean it, Jesus
0: you it, know it was enough when our grandparents came back from the war and started a family, you know, they mm-hmm. could have a factory job and make, you know, like a decent, uh, earned living,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, women would stick around, they could have a family, they could have a house and that sort of stuff. But today, like, like just having a, a, a job is literally just being just over broke. That's oh, what job exactly. stands for, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and that's why I agreed to, so, so many people say like, keep fighting, you know, Keep fighting to get what you deserve out of out out of all this. But what I realized, Richard, was if I keep fighting and this negativity keeps up, I'm losing way more money of opportunity in my business thinking about the wrong fucking things. Excuse my language. Yeah, and I'm like, no. So I gave her everything that she wanted, so that I and and sure enough, and that
0: was a pound of meat that you had to give up. That's one of the things that I yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. And and it was so the day that it was. On paper and signed by law, it's like, okay, I could. I, I realized subconsciously, I'm not working on my business because what if she wants more of this or more of that or more of whatever? So I was like, I'm not going to put more effort into something that I don't want. To, and, and don't get me wrong, I would, even still today, maybe it's wrong, I would make sure that nobody was living on the street. That's just who I am. If, mm. if, if my ex ended up in trouble, I'd probably help her out or whatever. If I, whatever. But yeah, I was losing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in revenue because I was thinking about the wrong stuff, you
0: know? Mm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of acrimony that happens in divorce. And again, you know, I'll, you know, I'll say this again, like family law is not written to um, allow things to wrap up quickly and in the best interest of the kids. It, it, it's really designed to like draw out, uh, rack up legal bills, cost you a lot of time. And at some point you got to realize that, you know, as a guy, you only have so much time in life and you can always make more money back later. That's so exactly, it. exactly, women need to feel like they've gotten a better deal than you yeah, in the yeah, divorce. Yeah. And sometimes it's the cost that guys have to pay to kind of like wrap things up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I was watching
1: your interview the other day where, where your friend interviewed you for your, and and he said, one of the questions yeah. was, what would you do if you lost everything? And I felt the same way you did. It's like, okay, well I'll just do it again. Yeah. You know, just, just build it back up again. And, and because I think once you have certain skills that you've acquired and you've been able to you do it, you never before, lose that. No, exactly. One a, a mind once expanded can never contract. Like when I first got started, my goal was to cover my mortgage of four hundred and fifty dollars a month. I lived in a very small townhouse, and you know, there's uh, now if, if we if we don't do thirty grand a day, I'm pissed off. You know what I mean? Like it, it's so so. You, yeah, you know how to do it again, and and the confidence is there, and you take the right actions to make it happen. So I I, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I would have said too. Like just do it again.
0: You know. Yeah are you still a car guy i remember seeing a picture of you at some point in front of a red uh ferrari f430 that was yeah. a number of years ago though i think that's when i first met you and we yeah, did that yeah. trip
1: yeah that that, that uh, i love cars i just got myself a nice 750i um with the m performance uh the ferrari was fun um i i what i didn't like about that car especially being you know if you're in miami there's ferraris everywhere but being here i would stop for gas And people would get into like personal bubble invasion like this far from you while you're filling her up and like nice car man i'm like i'm gonna get a gun put in my side or whatever um so i ended up giving that away in a contest and russell brunson of quick funnels won my ferrari
0: back okay
1: and uh but yeah i love you know i i I do i do i mean i love real estate more because i know it's a better investment you know Mm -hmm. like me cars are cars are great so Yeah, we've got a lot of cars right now, you (laughs) know, relative to my kids and stuff like that. So,
0: What was your favorite car that you've ever owned? The Ferrari was
1: the one because it got the most attention, and I I think it was a childhood dream. Like, you know, if you get yourself a nice Ferrari or a Lamborghini, you've made it. So that was a lot of fun, Uh, but there was a lot of negative that came. Well, here's one thing. Look, I mean, they're race cars, right? So they... I wasn't going to be the guy that got a Ferrari and put 5,000 miles a year on it. Like, screw that. I'm going to drive it as much as I can. So I probably put 25,000 miles on it in two years. And so it, uh, it was broken a lot. Like it would, you know, it was broken all the time. I I remember going to um, to go see Ryan Dice at uh, Digital Marketer up in Austin. It's only like 15 minutes from here. Here's a guy with a 20 inch arm pushing his Ferrari off the side of the road because it wasn't working right. So they're not the most reliable vehicle. Um, uh, so for reliability, I've had a couple of S Class 550s that I really liked. As far yeah. as just, uh, I was gonna get a Tesla at one time, but the Tesla backseat was very small. You know. Yeah. So, I didn't like that very much. Um, I've had, I, yeah, though, yeah. When I get people say, would you get another sports car? I might in the near future. I mean, being yeah. in internet marketing, it definitely attracts attention and stuff like that. Like some of the videos that I did back then with the Ferrari some of the best converting videos that we've ever done online, because it's hard to not say, well, this guy's got to be doing something right. You know what I mean? their attention. Yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. That's like the standard formula. Whenever you see like a YouTube pre-roll video now or on Facebook, it's always some like young guy in in front of a rented Lambo or Ferrari that they claim is theirs, you know, for the most part.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: True. Um, those cars have, have have gotten a lot more reliable too, over the recent years, like the F430, they stopped making, I think around 2010 or 11. And, um, like I know a guy that's got a Lambo Huracan that he has out on rental and it's got something like 130,000 miles wow, on it. Really? And yeah, no issues with the car whatsoever, right? Yeah. So some of them are 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 really really Anything with, like, the Audi Lambo V10, super mm-hmm, reliable, mm-hmm. you're really not going to have a problem with it. But when you start getting into, like, the only cars today that are really not that reliable are mostly, like, in the McLaren brand lineup because they're still kind of new and yeah, they yeah. pump out a shit ton of them. What's your favorite that you have? Uh, the fastest car I've ever driven is the Ferrari, and I got that up to 203 miles an hour on an oh, airstrip, oh, and that was yeah, just oh, batshit oh. crazy. <laughs> I, I love that, but I think the... I think the next car that I'm going to add is 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 probably going to be a 720s, and even though it's a McLaren, and yes, it's going to have problems, and it's going to mm-hmm. be expensive to maintain. It's just like, it's 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 hyper car type of performance, yeah. but with super car pricing. Yeah. Um. Plus, it's got the doors that go up, which you kind of have to get if you're going to sure. move away from an Audi R8. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I got one more question for you before we wrap up. So, sure. as you've gotten older, what has become more important, and what's become less important to you?
1: Uh, more important is enjoying the journey. So when, you know, when I started my company and up until probably my mid thirties, it was just grind, 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 grind all the time. And I, there's nothing I still grind, but it's like, there's a lot of time where it was probably unproductive working 16 hour days. And when I think back now, maybe seven of those hours were productive. And the other set, you know, seven or eight weren't that productive. So, to, you know, enjoying life more, uh, it's definitely been, uh, you know, people can blame a lot, uh, you know, everything on a divorce on yourself. I realize now that I probably was very emotionally unavailable because I figured my dream was everybody's dream no matter what and mm-hmm. and stuff. So I learned a lot that way. So, yeah, that's that's what I care less about now is I want to make good money. But I also want to not that I didn't enjoy it because that was my goal at the time. But it's like I didn't stop and smell the roses enough. I didn't stop and take the kids out enough or, or things like that. You know,
0: mm. yeah. That- you know, kids grow up really, really fast. Um, let me um, throw up on the screen here, uh, kind of on the exit, because you've got this uh, program you're kind of working on within self care. So let's throw this up here. You can talk about that. Um, men over thirty five who want more swagger and, and so this is you, obviously. You're you're what forty eight now? Forty eight. Be forty eight. July seventh. So everybody right now that knows anything about bodybuilding is going to say, well, Joel, that's trend and Winnie and blah, 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 blah. blah. Sure, sure. What are we looking at here? Like you're obviously on TRT, right?
1: Yeah. I, it, you know, it's funny. The only, the only symptom I had of that, I was 41 years old when I started TRT, um, was, um, brain fog. I still yep. had a lot of muscle. But brain fog was the main main thing that that just drove me nuts and he i went to the doctor he said yeah your 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 testosterone was 182 at the time that's pretty low actually yeah yeah. it was extremely low but i was still 215 pounds and maybe eight percent body fat at the time you know okay so the trt did help me gain more weight i i i built such a base when i was younger so right now i'm about 235 at 510. Mm -hmm. um Nothing more than that than, than a little bit each week. And that really helped with my clarity, like my mental focus and, and better energy for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, but what people don't realize, I'm very much a Mike Menser, Dorian Yates style of a person. I train seven to ten minutes a day, three times a week, and that's it. High intensity, very yeah. short duration, so a lot of people figure that, you know, Joel, you must be in the gym, you know, an hour a day, you know, five days a week, not not even close. Do not you still
0: even. lift, like, really heavy? Like, can your joints handle it, or? Uh,
1: no, so so it's all a relative term, right? So when I was younger, I would always train into the four to six rep range, meaning you know, I would fail at four to six reps. Mm-hmm. Now I'll fail around eight to 12 reps, so I'm still training with very high intensity, just not the same amount of weight on the joints. And, and most of my upper body's okay, but I find my knees are the ones that can't take it the most. You know, I would, Do you ever
0: throw duck in the mix? Just kind of you know to deal with your joints and stuff.
1: Uh, uh, I glucose. I mean, it's helped a lot. Omega three has really helped my joints yeah. more than
0: anything. Fish oil helps a lot. Fish oils, yeah, uh, it's also good for your health. brain and your cardio as well. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, um, yeah, that's it. I had you know then I hurt my knee when I was forty. And like when I was younger, it's like, OK, it'll be fine in three months, you know, and two knee surgeries later, that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah. I definitely train. I still train with very, very high intensity, but I will fail around eight to 12 reps rather than four to five reps. You know,
0: so you've put together this uh, program for self-care, if you guys are interested, pinned in the top uh, link below in the video. If you're watching this on a replay, if you're watching it live, it's 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 already pinned there but um you know you put together this landing page um 21 minutes sorry so the first thing guys are gonna say uh, is you know 21 minutes is not gonna get me looking like you, Joel. right so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can you kind of explain what this is all about and what's all involved with it um yeah
1: so so i mean it's not gonna get you looking like consistency is the king to everything right so mm. i um you know very long story short When i started training because i was so skinny i would go to the gym every way every day and i didn't see the results because training provides the stimulus for your body to improve so i actually train each body part once every 10 days that's it and by giving that much recuperation time I've, i've seen the results that i have so it's basically for people who don't have a lot of time um you know diets on point but uh it's really not all that hard. So it, it's catered to CEOs, it's catered to people. Like, you know, the one thing I think that was when I was going through the whole divorce process, knowing that I was still in very good shape and that was my decompression time too, my time to think and think about yeah. my life and stuff. And I'm like, well, at least I still look good. You know, <laughs> you know, I didn't gain 80 pounds of fat over the marriage and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it uh, but it definitely works. You know, we got a 60 day money back guarantee because I know that it works. I tell people do one 10 day cycle. We train each body part once every 10 days and you'll see improvements mm-hmm. so quickly that that uh, it, it just works. And I've been training that way. Oh, God, 30. I started training at age 11, did my first show when I was 16. I started training that way when I was 18. So I've been training very high intensity, very short duration, only three days a week for the better of 30 years, I guess.
0: Okay. And you've got it all broken down. It's like 25 bucks a month or they can buy up buy it up annually.
1: Yeah. And it's everything. It's your diet. It's your nutrition. It's your mindset. It's everything, 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 everything in there.
0: Okay. Who's the hottie here?
1: uh don't want to get into that it's going to be a sore thumb across a few people so all right i want to just uh, yeah somebody i've I've been dating and stuff like that you know
0: okay so um link is pinned in the top description if you guys are interested in uh self-care program and supplementation and stuff like that it's 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 not expensive you you actually sent me some of your supplements i don't have them here right now but um, the one that fills your stomach. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you did like a video demonstration of it where you basically mix it with water and it it, it like just expands to like ten or fifty times the normal yeah, size. Yeah, literally of a capsule. fifty
1: times the size. So it'll expand. You know. Yeah, and
0: it's just like a fiber, so it's calorie free. So I've been using that a lot just to kind of like you know fill up my stomach, especially in the morning, so I can fast. But check it out if you're interested, Joel. Thanks for sharing your story and Thank you know you. all the other experiences and getting vulnerable and just kind of letting guys know what it takes to you know play to win in life and.
1: There's there's life after divorce. The guy I just remember like you know before a divorce I'd have my good and bad days I could never empathize what a true depression was and when mm-hmm. it when it hit me man I was like when I get through this I will let people know that it, you you can get back to normal even better you know and that that's my whole objective. I know there's some guys who are like just you're you're paralyzed you're you're freaking paralyzed you know and you're like what the hell is the matter with me you know so
0: i always i always love going back to that story um what's his name howard schultz the guy that did starbucks it's howard Uh schultz right yes yeah it's like the story of 242 it's like you know he went to something like 241 different um investment firms angel investors and all this sort of stuff to kind of like pitch this business idea and it was like on the 242nd one or something like that they actually said yes to the idea and allowed him to launch it but you know it just goes to show you that you know you got to do the work as ace golden glove says here Mm -hmm. Um, you know life's going to knock you down it's just a test you know divorce losing money in a business making some shitty choices in life it's all a test you know you can either stay down and not get back up, which some people do, or you can get back up and you know do the work, and hopefully you know you make it out of it a okay. If not, stronger and, and better, you know. Yeah. Um, you know what we forgot to talk about before we go real quick is sure. um, surround yourself with um, you know the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, we met on a business trip. Well, not a business trip. It's a business adventure trip that a mutual friend of ours put together, and he kind of put all these guys together. Uh, the price of admission, I think at the time was ten dollars or $12,000 for that off-road trip. I know you and a lot of the other guys were paying a membership due to that uh, group as well to have access to all these guys and events and networks. How, how important has surrounding yourself with like-minded people been in this journey to excellence for you and dealing with all this shit?
1: I, I honestly believe there's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. And what I mean by that is you have to get around the right people. You just because, you know, coming back to my mother, I would share an idea with my mother and she had no experience, but her gut instinct was to say that's a bad idea. Mm. You know, my first mentor being kind of Copeland and he's, you know, got this, you know done it a couple times over and he's telling me it's a good idea, but my mom says it's a bad idea. I started realizing that you really have to get yourself around people that are going to believe in what you're doing. And and more importantly, when you share experiences, I might ask you about debt consolidation on something and you're like, well, Joel do this. And where I might ask my father who knows nothing about it, he'll give me like just really shitty advice. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And uh, it, it's been at least 60 to 70% uh, of my success is getting myself surrounded by really smart people who who have just the right positive mindset for sure. And and it, it just makes it fun because you know, you get around these people and they're legitimately happy to see you succeed. They're legitimately happy to to help provide value to, to you know, I, I mean, I would do anything for anybody like yourself who, if I had experience in a certain field and said, well, do this or do that. And here's why, because I tried it and this is what worked and what didn't work based on on experience. You know, it's mm-hmm. very, very important. Very, very, it's only at the top. isn't It's a, it's, a, it's more a mindset. It's not about finance. It's about being around the right people who just see the world very differently, you know, like, yeah. A lot of people is-
0: think that you're batshit crazy when you run a business and they always, you know, like your mom said, well, you know, just get a job or just, you know, play not to lose sort of thing. And it's only guys that have gone through it that um, have an opportunity to network with other guys dealing with similar sorts of struggles that actually believe um in in the stuff that you're doing and will support your mission and those are the people that you want to surround yourself with it makes a big big difference
1: yeah it does and and i'll tell you one more crazy mom story just to show that being around the right people are so important so six months before she passed we knew she was terminal and she called me on the phone and she's like she starts to giggle and i'm like what mom she goes i have (laughs) to tell you something and i know it's crazy but i need to tell you i'm like what she goes i just wish you had a good stable job I said "Mother's well, there's 250 people that work for me the last person to lose their job will be me and she was like obviously she was semi-joking at the time she would seen yeah. that it was the right path and decision for me uh but it, yeah being around good people is the key you know like i mean I, I can't thank you enough richard what you did for me you know with your youtube videos and it was a pleasure meeting you in cabo and stuff and uh i'll uh, i'll definitely come see you this summer i'll be up i'll be up there soon
0: yeah if you're in toronto let me know and but uh, uh, by the way, guys, if you want to join my men's community, that's how you get to it. That's also pinned in the top uh, link description. There's either an annual membership option or, or monthly. It's it's the 1% of men that are chasing excellence, not women. They're putting a dent in the universe, all that good stuff. You can click it, watch the uh, video there that explains how it all works. Joel, thanks for hanging Thank you, out. Sir. Let me know if you're heading up to Toronto anytime soon. We'll definitely grab some dinner and, and you know hang out for a bit. But it's good to have you on and catch up and seeing you know, what's all up in life.
1: I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing and thank you for watching everybody. I appreciate it. Have a great day, my friend.
0: All right. See you brother.